Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. VCU Butler, Final Four action. Who do you like and why? Well, we're not going to like a side, but we're going to like a total in this game. And this is the Cinderella ball. So you're, you're holding your best bet back for Saturday's pregame pros. You're sharp. <laughs> Can't get anything by this guy. Well, but we got a lot of good things to talk about. We, we do. In this situation with this game, I mean, this is the two Cinderella teams. You've got a number eight seed playing a number 11 seed. You know, never. All right, so let's talk about this because there's been some real historic uh, results into this Final Four. One, this is only the UVCU is only the third team since some of these are 31 years, some are 32 years. Doesn't really matter. I think this one's 31. 31 years that the. The, only the third team in the Final Four seeded worse than eight. Okay, and actually, surprisingly, all three were eleven seeds. We had George Mason a few years ago, and then LSU. You probably remember way back in nineteen eighty six. So, huh? <laughs> you go way back in nineteen eighty six. So, so that that is interesting. It's also interesting that the winner of this game is going to be in the finals. And it'll be the first time in, I think, 26 years since Villanova played uh, in 85 that a seed worse than number six is in the finals. So this has really been an upset-laden tournament, especially from the Sweet 16 on. So what I'm interested from you is how do you handicap that? And I've been asking this on the podcast is do you look at this and say, okay, something's changed? Fundamentally, or do you look at it as a aberration, and it does? You're not going to adjust your handicap. Well, you can't if you make adjustments off of one season. You're really asking for trouble. I, I think one year is not a big enough sampling size. It's it's to me, it's just a trend. You know, you need a couple years for it to become a, a true pattern. One thing that I will say, and, and me and you've talked about it, and, and it's something that's got to be emphasized. With these kind of schools like Butler's and the Virginia Commonwealth's, why they do so well in the tournaments now as opposed to maybe 10 years ago is the landscape of college basketball. The blue chip programs just don't have guys that stay for the duration. But these programs, they're not attracting that upper echelon athlete. They're good athletes, but these are guys that aren't going to necessarily be first rounders in the NBA. So they're staying in school. And you're seeing them for three or four years, and it it gives you a continuity with a team and experience and leadership, and that's right, priceless so, here. So you're telling me about specific fundamental elements that's changed, but then you said, "Well, I'm not changing at all." So the assumptions that you just put forth, you entered this March Madness with, they haven't been reinforced at all. They're reinforced now. This is something that I've seen started to change. I think. When you look at this tournament, underdogs have done so well the whole way through. And we had another stat. If you would have blindly played every dog since mm-hmm. the round of 64, you'd be up seven units if, on the money line. 
If you had blindly played every favorite on the money line, you'd be down 21 units. Wow. But I think moving forward, I think these kind of teams need to get more credibility in the line. I think that's the one thing I will take is the mid-major teams. Well, that's the whole point. So what you're saying is the, the, the core element of sports batting is what is the perception of the team in, that's, that's shown by the line versus the reality. So you're saying these teams are undervalued. The mid-majors. All right, which you've, that's, it sounds like you thought it entering the tournament, and it's been reinforced to you. So you'll go into next year's March Madness, give an extra credence to the mid-majors. Absolutely. I mean, stop and think about it for a second. I mean, how hard is it for any team to make it to the Final Four in back-to-back years? Any team. Blue-chip program, whatever. But then when you consider what Butler's done it makes it that much more amazing because this is a team from mid-major. And like I said, you know, give them credit. Give this coach credit. <laughs> this guy's sitting on a major payday. So they're going to become court in this guy when the season's in. Okay, so we have two mid-majors here. So in a way, whatever you think in mid-majors, we'll be saving for the, the Monday, which I assume you'll be doing a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning webcam for the Monday uh, championship game? Sometime Sunday, we'll get it out Sunday there. morning. <laughs> is, is the fact of the matter is, then it's going to be marquee BCS conference, whoever it is, Ken- Kentucky or UConn, versus mid-major. We got two mid-majors. Mm-hmm. So what are the key factors in this game, and, well, and, and what makes you like the total? The one key factor in this game, and obviously John Q. Public's going to zero in on this, the experience factor of Butler. You know, you you can't put a price on the fact that they were here last year and went through all of the nervousness, the jitters of playing on the biggest stage. Absolutely March Madness from each round. There's more pressure. But you the Final Four is just like a another event. And so that's going to be an advantage for them. And it's also the reason why I like the total in this game. I think that if Virginia Commonwealth does come out with a little bit of jitters, that Butler is going to be able to dictate their tempo because they're going to be the calm team at the beginning of the game. And we talk so many times about how a game starts to play out. If this game plays out at the beginning the way I do, where Butler controls it. The way you expect. The way I expect. Butler's going to control the tempo. It's going to start it into a a slower-paced game, and that will continue throughout. So what tempo do you think VCU wants to play at? Virginia Commonwealth has shown in this tournament that they can play both ways. I think if they play in a half-court tempo, it benefits Butler more. I also think with a full, this is the first time in a tournament that we've got almost a full week of preparation time going to Saturday to play. The Butler, both coaches will be able to come up with defenses to stop the strengths. One thing that Virginia Commonwealth has done very well in this tournament is shoot the three. So you think the prep time helps the defense? Yes. Also, when you've got, we've talked about fatigue factors. If you watch the end of the Kentucky, uh, or not Kentucky, Kansas-Virginia Commonwealth game last week, both teams were, I mean, every time out you had the guys, you know, grabbing their knees, you know, like just, you know, busting for win, you know, short on air. But amazingly enough, it was the Kansas players that looked more fatigued at the end of that game, and it showed in their foul shooting. That was the difference in that in that game at the end. Kansas was horrible from the line. I agree with you that the Final Four is a higher pressure environment. 
But just from what I've seen of the VCU coach, it seems like that taking it one game at a time and, and, and taking it all in stride is one of the things he does best. So against a random, inexperienced Final Four coach, I would agree with you. I actually believe that VCU, I'm not saying that they don't have, Butler doesn't have a coaching advantage. I don't know enough to really judge the expertise of the coaches. I mean, clearly Butler went to the Final Four or championship game last year. We know that yeah. much. I just The VCU coach doesn't strike me. You know, as a Steeler fan, and I brought this up um, on a recent show, I think it was with Sack on the podcast. And if you don't check that out, you can check out pregamepodcast.com and get all of our podcasts. Is to me the analogy is Bill Cower. Bill Cower, Steeler coach, former Steeler coach, great regular season coach, great energy, but he, he, he got the team tight in the playoffs. And he really underperformed in the playoffs throughout his tenure. It seems like the VCU coach is the opposite. And that makes me optimistic that they're, they're kind of playing with house money. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but it feels like, I, I'm not sure psychologically I would feel that way, but it seems like the team does. One advantage that Virginia Commonwealth has in this game is they're still the underdog. Okay, And when I handicap, my style of handicapping, I look at things and I view teams, how their psyche is going into a game, differently if they're a favorite or an underdog. With Virginia Commonwealth, dog the whole way through from the start. Remember, this is a team that had to play their way into the big dance. They were underdogs in the first game. They were underdogs there, and they've been underdogs since. Butler has been an underdog in every game That's right. until now. Mm-hmm. And so now almost, if you're Butler, do you get a false sense of security? That we've been the underdog, we've been the underdog the whole way, we got it done, a lot of narrow wins in this game. They could have lost to Old Dominion, they could have lost to Pitt very easily. Both those games were decided basically on the last plays of the game. And here we are now, one game away from going back to the championship game, and we're the favorite, meaning psychologically we're supposed to win. Does that give them, you know, let their guard down a little bit? I think that's a valid point. To me, here's, and this is a point I actually did a uh, video conference with Chad Millman for ESPN.com. It should be up soon. And one of the points he loved that we talked about was I was listening to Jay Cornegay on the radio yesterday, the Hilton Sportsbook Director, and he said he has massive exposure on VCU. In fact, there's a, he actually uh, texted back to the radio station, and I was uh, talking to the guys from ESPN Radio here in town, they said he texted back and said he had uh, a $10 ticket out at 5000 to 1 on VCU from early, early in the season. So $50,000 exposure on that one $10 ticket at 5000 to 1. Let's think about this. He, he was hinting at it. He said, well, we're going to do some stuff to massage our exposure. But what does that mean? That means he wants... And most people probably are in a similar spot, most bookies, meaning VCU would be the real damaging win on the future mm-hmm. side. Because VCU was in the field for a lot of, for the Hilton too, eventually. So in the field, a lot of people just will take a flyer with the field. And so my thought is, if he's trying to induce Butler action, which makes sense, because if VCU wins, now they're still exposed going into the finals, but at least they had a nice win on Butler, mm-hmm. right? And then if Butler ends up, if VCU or if Butler wins, yeah, they lose 
that side, that game, but they, they, lose, they also avoid the exposure on VCU. So this is kind of a finance concept, but if the market is actually, if the market is actually adjusted incorrectly for the side action, meaning that they're going to create a side number to get disproportionate action to try to compensate for another market, which is the future market. All of a sudden now, as a batter, you don't have to worry about their future exposure. You get to play Butler at two and a half or two or whatever, which makes me think that the true line on this Butler game is a little bit higher and they're keeping it low because they're trying to induce Butler action. When I did my lines for the game... I actually had Butler at four, is what I thought the game would come out at. I, I was surprised that it was this low. I was right on the money in the Kentucky game, but this one I was off a point and a half. So that speaks to the idea that they're saying, yeah, we know we're going to get disproportionate Butler. We want disproportionate Butler, which also means if you back Butler, you're probably getting up, you know, a point and a half of value just to start with because of the fact of, the, of, of them trying to hedge their exposure. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's, you know, if I'm that guy that's got that $10 ticket, I know I'm doing some hedging <laughs> if I was him. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. I think it's going to be a defensive game, slow tempo. I'm going to go with the game under the total. The over-under actually opened at 131 and went to 133. Um, I know we talk a lot about early moves being sharp money. I think that when we get down to these final two games, most people bet overs that are going to bet. It's just it's human nature, and I think there's. I'm happy that the line went to 133. I think it's giving us more value. I'm going to take the game under. I have it at 127 for a total. Now remember, is when there's an early move, it's wise guys making the move, but there's two possibilities. One is they like the side, or two, they're getting ahead of what they see as the public move. The fact that this was a move towards the over at least opens the door to the fact that they're going to buy back later. We don't know for sure, but it does open the door to that. Absolutely. All right. It's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, yeah, you guessed it. We're going to be talking about the next Final Four matchup, Kentucky-UConn. Kentucky-Connecticut Final Four action. Who do you like and why? I like Connecticut, and RJ, this is real simple. To me, I think the value is all with Connecticut. I think this is a public perception line. You know, This is what I thought the line would come out, but personally, I'll be honest with you, I think Connecticut should be the favorite in this game. So your true line has Connecticut as the favorite. All right, so one thing that I think as the games get even more public and Final Four is going to be the most public of all college basketball games that the very act that a team is the favorite causes them to get action. It's, it's one thing for you, a handicapper, to say, you know, I think Kentucky's at least as good or, a, uh, or Connecticut's at least as good or a slight favorite, and you're making an assessment comparing your number, comparing Kentucky's number, or the, your Connecticut number, your Kentucky number, how they match up. Most of these people don't have any real sense. They might have watched that half of a game Kentucky played, a half of a game Connecticut played. The very fact Kentucky is a marquee name and they're the favorite, I think they're inherently going to get some action, which I think that pushes me towards the dog in general. What I'm looking at this game, we've used the expression with the podcast that me and you have done numerous times. 
the public handicaps with their eyes. And what they're looking at is last week, Kentucky beat Ohio State, which was, you know, the class of this year's tournament. They were the number one, the true number one seed of the number ones. Then they beat North Carolina, one of the most storied, you know, franchises in college basketball. They look at Connecticut, and Connecticut had tight games with San Diego State, who was a highly ranked team, but a newcomer to the dance. I mean, San Diego State just busted onto the scene this year. In Arizona, they were life and death Saturday with them. So to me, John Q. Public sits back and looks and says, Kentucky had much easier, impressive wins, and now they're playing a Connecticut team out of the Big East that took a little bit of a black eye in this tournament because everybody's saying all oh, the a Big East. A little bit of a black eye. Well, you know, again, you know, I understand that they only got one team left. They put 11 of them in here. You, you can't but being do- put in was a subjective call. That's the whole point, is if somehow, some way, every team started playing the NCAA tournament, and then eventually when you got down to 64, if they would have had 11, you would have said, heck, they earned 11. But it's subjective. So unless you think that the, uh, the committee doesn't ever make a mistake, I think the dispute is, is that 11th team in the Big East, is that 10th team better than you know, whoever else was left off the bubble? I definitely say that the, probably the 10th and 11th team, there could have been a debate on them. But the fact is, there was 11. It has been one of the best conferences throughout the year. And the fact is, here we are in the Final Four, the team that actually won the conference tournament, that was playing the best ball at the end of the season, won the Big East tournament, and now they are the team that's in the Final Four. You didn't think Connecticut was playing the best ball at the end of the season. You had Pitt as a future bet. I, I did have Pitt as a future bet. And, you know, and boy, if they could have got that last foul shot with seeing what Butler went through, we could have Pitt here. But Connecticut did beat Pitt in the Big East tournament. So... I like the fact that both teams are peaking at the right time. We've talked numerous times about the Kentucky program. How, think back to the beginning of the season. This team had one returning starter. For all the things you want to say bad about John Calipari and his programs and the tarnish that happens wherever he goes, the fact remains, the guy knows how to coach. He took a team that he basically built from scratch this year and through the from week one to where we're at now in the final four, this team has has gotten better every single week. To me, there's three takeaways from this tournament. One is what you're talking about is if you can find a young team that played relatively better late in the season than early in the season, it throws a lot of the computers off. They don't quite know how to handle that. They, all they know is they know, hey, Kentucky lost a, you know, whatever number of games in November, whatever number in December. So, yeah, sometimes it's going to be weighted to the more recent games with the computer modeling. But in general, I like a young team that's trending upwards. You have that with Kentucky. Not so much with Connecticut, I don't think. I love experienced coaches, specifically NCAA tournament experience. Well, we got two A-pluses when yeah. it comes to that. And lastly, I like a team that's hot. And that's counterintuitive to the typical wise guy approach, which is typically it's, like you always say, fade what you've most recently seen because it's being over-considered. 
I don't think you can necessarily do that in the NCAA tournament because momentum is so important. Well, you've got to, you know, by definition, if you've gotten to the Final Four, you're hot. Right. I think that applies more early. So as I look at this, I want to lean towards Kentucky simply because they've got all three of the things I like where Connecticut has two. Now, someone else might say having a superstar that you can really lean on when it's a one-point game late, and maybe Connecticut has the advantage there. So let me ask you a question, though. That Ohio State win that Kentucky had might have been the most impressive win of the tournament, or... If, if we assume High State was the best team, then it certainly was the most difficult win of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Is I also thought Kentucky played a very poor game relatively against North Carolina. So let, maybe that's my first question. How do you rate that a High State win? And number two, how do you rate that North Carolina win? What did you see with your eyes? I agree with you on the Ohio State game. North Carolina has been a team all year that's kind of been a little bit of an enigma. You look at what they did in the ACC tournament where they trailed in most of their games the whole game and then pulled out a win at the end. But looking at the game, did you think if Kentucky played NC again, who do you bat there? Well, unfortunately, I bet North Carolina on Sunday. So, I, you know, I thought North Carolina, you know, would be the better team on Sunday. Again, because I was shocked that Kentucky came out the favorite in that game against the number two seed. So, so let me ask you, watching the game, would you be less or more inclined to back North Carolina? Because it feels like North Carolina played about as good as they played well, certainly above average. They played from the games that I've seen of North Carolina. That's pretty much what... I've seen the games that I happen to see of North Carolina. And how would you rate how Kentucky played? I thought Kentucky played good. You know, they wow. led. Through, they led. You know, pretty much the entire game. They, I mean, it seemed like. Well, I guess to some degree, this. Does, I mean, if, if you're just seeing the opposite, I'm seeing we're now going to meet in the middle. It's. I'm not saying do look at the scoreboard and tell me what the score was. Clearly, they won the game. It's. It seems like North Carolina made a majority of the plays that are a sign of a good basketball team, and Kentucky made a, a lot of three-pointers pretty much. And, that yeah, that's part of one game, and, hey, they got to move on. So, but go going back to North Carolina, part of the fact that Kentucky was able to drill those three-pointers, North Carolina's defense was not good all year. They, they gave up a, a higher percentage of shots. They had a lot of high-scoring games. So that, to me, was when I'm talking they were in the norm, where today when they play a Connecticut team, this team plays defense. They, they play very good defense. And that's gonna, it's going to be tougher for Kentucky to get those open looks. Th- Kentucky's going to need to play a game like they played against Ohio State to beat Connecticut on Saturday. All right. What's your official projection? My official projection is Connecticut, 73-68. And I'm going to go ahead and make this my best bet. Make it Connecticut on Saturday to move on to the championship game on Sunday. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) So are we giving away a coupon? We are. Awesome. uh, All right. So whenever there's a best bet, each week you give one a week on your videos. We also give a $10 coupon away. Hit it. Well, it's Final Four, so the coupon's real simple. The word final and the number four. Put that in at the checkout. So it's the number four. The number four. How many spaces? No spaces. It's all Any together. capitalization? All caps. 
But it works either way. We set them up that way. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. Any closing thoughts? Enjoy the games. So with that coupon, you go to the shopping cart. You pick what you want. You pick your picks. Mm -hmm. Go to your shopping cart, and you got a little space for the coupon. Absolutely. i got one guy I'm a personal favorite of. <laughs> it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, Marco has three Major League Baseball future bets, two win totals, one World Series future, and in the fourth video we're going to do, we're going to do those three, and we're going to tell you how you can match Marco and win $10,000 in cash this baseball season. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Some people say 10,000. Say 10K. Some people say 10 dimes. Either way, Marco. I say 263 Bellagio dinner buffets. You did the map. I did that. the map. <laughs> Here's the deal. Let's make this quick. We try not to overpromote, but this is such a good opportunity. Is last year, as we've been preaching, and it's for good reason, because you're locked into baseball, you won 25 straight games. And there were certain circumstances around that that made it even more impressive. And the odds, I'm going to do the math, was like 40 million to one against randomly with no expertise flipping a coin and doing that. What we've done is at pregame.com in the forums, as you know, is every day you can make a pick. And if you win, you, not you, but anyone, no obligation, you don't have to buy anything, just register for free. Can, to I, can I play? Can you play? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Anyone can play, even even pregame, not pregame pros, but pregame personnel. We'll call it that. Is what we'll do is if you match Marco's streak, we're gonna the first person to do it. We're gonna give you ten thousand dollars in cash. All right. First thoughts when it was this was my idea, Marco. It was what did idea. you think? It's like. Holy God, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> but this is this is great. This is what makes pregame what it is. I mean, this is I look at pregame like a cool sports bar. All right. Is my take on it. You know, you, you go in, you hang out. Is that out. why you eat wings all the time in the office? <laughs> wow. What a guy. But uh well you gotta get some better looking waitresses then. <laughs> okay. because uh, Dustin ain't cutting it. <laughs> this is I mean, seriously. I mean, it's a cool place to hang out. Everybody interacts. And now you've got a chance to do what people that come to pregame like to do. Pick games. Talk about them. But now, you know, everybody likes to be, you know, excuse the, the phrase, you know, the cock of the walk. Here's your chance. Even if you don't accomplish the 25, somebody's going to have the longest streak during the season. Oh, yeah. If you get a streak going, you're going to get a lot of attention. If somehow you get to 25 games, you're going to win 10,000 and be the talk of the Internet. But you know something you don't know about this? I don't. Johnny and I decided earlier. Is, well, one, we talked a little bit on air. You, you can announce it. You're actually going to put up 5,000 of your own money of the 10,000. Yeah, I appreciate what, you know, this was a gesture. This was totally RJ's idea. And, you know, let's face it, I mean, I'm getting exposure out of this. And I want to thank everybody that followed me last year because, I mean, the... T the streak took on a life of its own last year. Rightfully it was, so. It was the buzz of the internet. And, you know, we've had a lot of... Charlie Sheen, Marco <laughs> 25 and 0. Just winning, baby. But uh, 
I'm going to go ahead and put up, you know, I'll cut the exposure for pregame. I'll take half of the exposure on this uh, promotion. And if anybody hits it, they're going to get 5000 of RJ's money and 5000 of mine. Now, if you don't keep looking at your camera, I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually going to make you pay all tads. <laughs> well, I'm a little nervous. You know? All right, so you're putting half the money up. Yes, sir. Thank you for that. I don't think anyone's going to beat it. So let's talk about, in fact, I mean, let's be honest, I don't, I've been in this business for a long time. I've been betting since 1984 when I was 14 years old. I've never seen 25 straight documented winners. Now, a lot of people might be thinking, well, what about laying minus 450? Here's the thing. You never laid more than minus 120. And actually, though, we're not going to make this a requirement. You had more than half underdogs. Mm-hmm. So you can bet a side, you can bet a total. You can bet one game a day, and all you got to do, or you can make the pick, one pick a day. All you do is in the daily dedicated thread, make your pick, write your streak down. If you, if you lose on Monday, you start over on Tuesday. You can do it every, all 162 plus days of the season. All right, that's awesome. You don't have to have more underdogs than favorites. You just can't lay over 120 side or total. Right. I did have, and you didn't mention it in the, the rules there, a couple of my games last year were run lines, minus one and a half runs. One, run lines are fine. As long as you're Totals less are fine. Just lay with, less than 120. Absolutely. All right. So now, here's where you're going to be surprised. Go to head-to-head, Dustin. Is no matter how little the streak is, if it's a five-game streak, a 10-game streak, a 15-game streak, Whoever has the longest streak at the end of the season, you and pregame are going to give them a thousand dollars in cash. Five hundred apiece. Five hundred apiece. Thousand dollars in cash. That way, even if you don't do the impossible, which pretty much what you did, you're still going to take away a thousand smackaroonies. There you go. Good job. Look, I'm fighting. He, yeah. he doesn't like this. <laughs> he, you know. Just let everybody know, RJ did not tell me that till just now, you know, after I offered John, the- John, listen, John, Johnny said, what am I going to say? <laughs> yeah, I'll get Johnny later. All but right, yes. guys, this is great. There's a forum thread about this. Tell your friends, tell your family, get the word out, because really it's not only going to be fun, you got a chance for a ton of exposure and for money, and someone's going to take away 1000 no matter what, and just maybe someone's going to take away 10000 all right, great show this week. You're going to be doing webcams for uh, the championship game on Sunday morning. And we'll be back. VR's coming in, it uh, looks like, Thursday for some more videos. And we'll be back next week with baseball and NBA action. Baseball future bet number one of three from Marco. Go. All right, we're going to look at the Philadelphia Phillies and they're isn't a more talked-about baseball team coming into this season than the Philadelphia Phillies with that rotation that they've got with the addition of Cliff Lee to an already stellar staff. They won 97 games last year. So John Q. Public's going to walk up to the window. They're going to look at last year's you know, final standings and say, hmm, 97 wins, and now we got Cliff Lee too? Where do I sign? I'm taking the over. And the fact that you know, this is set at 97, the same number as last year, and it's a 115 wager either way, minus 115, is telling me the smart money is on the under in this game. And I broke it down why it's smart to go under. First of all, to win... All right, nine- so, so let's talk for a second. So it sounds like, and, and this is a rarity, that you have a trap 
handicap on a future on a win total? Well, almost just because the public perception is going to be so high on this team. But when so I give you the reasons you're saying why, that you're, what you're saying is is the number induces the average batter to heavily bet the over, which means that you think the number's too low, and thus you're going to go under because you think the bookies want the over. I agree with that. In when I give you the reasons of the breakdown, first off, it is so hard to win 97 games in a season. Everything has to go right. You've got to stay healthy. And if you lose one of these guys in a starting rotation for any period of time, that's going to put your total at jeopardy. Also, I break down the schedule. Now, we know who everybody plays every year because, you know, division and that. First, you look at the division. There's two decent teams in Philadelphia's division that they're going to face several times. The Atlanta Braves and the Florida Marlins both have strong pitching staffs and teams that can win enough games heads up against them to put this total in jeopardy. But where I really like this is I went into the interleague schedule, and that's different from year to year. They've got a murderous interleague schedule this year. They've faced Seattle, which got some good pitching. King Felix is on that staff. They face Oakland, who has very good young pitching staff. The Red Sox and Toronto, two good teams out of the American League East. That's a tough interleague schedule that I think is going to be the key to them not reaching 97 wins this season. I like this simply because it's going against something that feels so obvious. And I think the Heat uh, win total this year was exactly like that. There's talk about are they going to win 72 games. Mm -hmm. They ended up, the win total was 64. Mm -hmm. So... To me, I think it's a, a value play for sure. And I also like your point about the injuries. Is, you know, one guy on the shelf for four months, and it really does make this a more difficult uh, over to get. You're giving me your blessing then? You know, I'm going to give you the butt. You know, actually, we you forgot. forgot. I, I forgot. Know. <laughs> uh, well, we're just going to, unfortunately, we're going to have to let people go without it. I, maybe, you know what I'll do? I'll go into the comment section at YouTube you and go. give my thoughts. Let's just say I didn't back both. I would just say it like that. <laughs> I am going to give you my blessing on this one. But I don't want to lay 115. I'd probably find 105 somewhere <laughs> if I could. Uh, you are a good shot. So let me ask you a question. What happens if someone stumbled? Now, do me a favor. Doug. Put put the camera on Marco. Look ahead. What happens if someone... No. Ahead. Okay. What well, happens if... So, no, no, no. Just listen. <laughs> what happens if someone stumbled on this video? Mm -hmm. They said, what does this guy know about baseball? What would you say? I've been doing it for 31 years. Yeah? Yeah. And uh, I've had... All right, three. all right. 25 <laughs> straight winners last year. And the amazing part of that is we've got a $10,000 contest that we're going to be doing a video explaining, or you can go to pregameforums.com and check it out. It's free to enter. If you can match Marco, you don't even have to beat him, you win 10000 in cash. Any closing thoughts? A lot of, you know. You're speechless. I am. Your turn to continue the conversation <laughs> in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to go with Marco's second of three future bets. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit PregameLines.com. Baseball future bat number two of three. Marco, hit us. 
We're going to take a look at the Chicago White Sox, RJ. And here's a team where the over-under is set at 85 wins for the season. This team had 88 wins last season. I do believe they're a better team this year, and I think they're going to soar past this posted total of 85. All right, so first question for those who watched the prior video. It almost sounds word for word what you said about the Phillies is same total as last year, better team, but you had under. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference? The difference in here is as we progressed into that Philly video, I gave the different reasons why I don't think they can reach that number. One of the key points is interleague play that I talked about. Uh, no, no, no. I understand that there's a handicap to this. But what I'm saying is that the, with the Phillies, there was a specific reason that you felt like you felt that that low number was trying to tempt overaction, and the reason well, absolutely because Philadelphia coming into this baseball season is Philly a better team than last year? On paper, it looks like. Well, they what else be. can we go by? Well, that that's right. I mean, right. Because, so before preseason, you got to go by paper. When you have a team that wins ninety-seven games in a season, and you add Cliff Lee to your rotation, you you definitely look like you're a better team. But you're putting money on under the same amount of wins they had last year. Because there's other factors to look at. In- and that's the point I'm making, is that nuanced kind of thinking is what kept you in the business 31 years, winning money. we got to explain That's the whole point of these videos. It isn't to get that pretty tie on and, <laughs> and, and, wow. and make it so you can do a tax write-off on those expensive haircuts you get. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, this is about conveying that nuance to those who are trying to learn to win. So it... I understand why Philly, and if you can go back and watch that video, tell me why the Reds, the White Sox are a better team. One, we're going to have Jake Peavy return to this starting rotation sometime this season. Uh, he's not there yet, but... So what is it, about a month? That's, you know, projections, they're taking their time with them. They want to be safe, but they've already got a good rotation. They're top two guys right now in the rotation, Mark Burley and Gavin Floyd. These guys had... Good seasons last year. I like them as a starting two. Once PV comes back, and if he's 85, 90% of what he was, this is going to be a very good rotation. I think the AL Central is weak. Detroit, last year it was a three-horse race between Minnesota, Detroit, and the White Sox. I believe Detroit's taken a step backwards this year, which is going to put some more wins in the win column for the White Sox. The other thing that I'm looking at is interleague play. And I think when you're looking at these uh, win totals, too many handicappers bypass those two weeks of interleague play, you know, because it's it's something out of the norm. But you've got to go look at who they're playing in interleague play because it's going to have a bearing on these win totals. And that was a big point in the Philadelphia video why they weren't going to make it. They had a murderous interleague schedule. The White Sox don't. They have a favorable one. They're going to play the White, the Cubs, their crosstown rivals, twice in interleague play because it's an inner-city matchup. The Cubs aren't that good, so they should be okay with wins there. Then they're going to face an Arizona team in interleague play. Arizona, not a good ball club. They're going to face Colorado, who's probably the best of the teams they're going to face in interleague play, but you know we've seen it the last several years with Colorado. They're up and down. Depends what point of the season you catch them on their roller coaster ride. And then Washington's not a good team. So very easy interleague play that I think is going to pad their record for wins, and it's going to get them over this 85 wins. 
Yeah, I like your logic here. To me, this feels, this is going to seem like it's coming out of left field. This feels like what's happened in the NFL the last two years. Two years ago, there was a sense of that New Orleans, who hadn't made the playoff the, the year before, was a team right on the cusp, and they were going to bust through the wall the next year. And what ends up happening a lot is that team, the city is excited. They're focused. They feel like they're one step away, and they actually won the Super Bowl. Next year, Green Bay was that team you know, that was one step away. And not that those were the only two teams, but that team was a little bit under the radar, but excited and ready to burst through. I look at the White Sox, and I'm not a baseball handicapping expert, but it feels like they're certainly not. If you look at the futures, where are they on the future list? Well, you, that's going to be a great segue to what our next video is oh, going to be. Oh, so you're doing a – but all right, so they're certainly not in the top five, six, or seven there, no, right? No, but they are getting some plays by the Sharps here in town. All right, so the point I'm making, though, they're not considered to be one of the leaders. They're, they they're opened a little, at 15 to 1. Okay, a little bit under the radar, and I think they could even you know, not have the best of seasons and get to 85. So I'm going to give my endorsement on this one. There you go. Thumbs up from R.J. Bell. All right, so a little tease, and looking at the camera, Marco is giving away 10, or giving you the chance to win, might be the way to say it, <laughs> $10,000. We're going to be talking about that in a video coming up here today. So keep watching. And guys, you can continue the conversation about this in the comments section. And next up, we got one more future bet. This is a World Series future. And then we'll be talking 10K. Baseball future number three of three. Marco, you're still on the White Sox. Tell us about it. Well, I'm going to go with the White Sox to win the World Series. And to me, I'm looking for value when we're doing this, and to me, the value is going to be looking at an American League team because Philadelphia, obviously, you know, you've got them nine to five in the National League. They're with that murderous starting rotation that they have. They're everybody's favorite. Then, when you go to the American League, you're always going to have the Yankees and the Red Sox taking a ton of you know play just because of their reputations. I think. Looking at them, the Yankees and the Red Sox, yes, they're good teams, but they're not worth the prices that they're getting for a World Series future bet. I like the White Sox to win the American League Central. Um, they're a team that's going to have decent starting pitching with the lineup of Burley, Floyd, and when Peavy gets back into the lineup. This is a team that was a second-place team last year in the AL Central. They battled three teams for most of the summer, and the White Sox had two bad series, and unfortunately, those two bad series came in late August and September against the team they were chasing, Minnesota, and that did their season in. I think they get through. They knock, they've been knocking on the door the last several years. I think they punched through this year. I like them. Jesus, you're getting ready for a webcam. Is that how much... What was that, three minutes of talking straight? Didn't take a breath. That was a money, you know, minute and a half. You don't have to time. talk anymore. Okay, My good. My All, right. All right. Here's an example <laughs> of where Jimmy Vaccaro, a very wise man, friend of pregame, local bookmaker, said, you bet numbers, don't bet teams. I agreed with you, gave you the RJ endorsement on your over on the win total in the prior video. To me, there's, I hate this play. In fact, I'm booking it. <laughs> well, I've already bet it. So. Well, th listen, if you're willing to talk about it, that's the rule in these videos. You've got to be willing to come ready to fire. If you, that's actually a new rule we're going to start right now. 
is if you're willing to give an opinion that we want our precious, beloved audience, if we want them to take the time to listen to you, then you've got to be willing to back your opinion with money when the CEO decides he's going against you. So, so, so when you cherry pick the plays, well, I exactly. have to you're the up. one. No, 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 no. You're the one. I don't tell you what games to pick. Okay. I don't tell you. You come with your stacks of paper and your bifocals. You're ready to go. And the fact of the matter is, this is horrible. And I got to tell you, you're. I'm not sure who I would rather be betting this baseball season than you. Like we said, 25 straight winners last year. We're putting up 10k. In order to, if anyone can even match what you did last year, mm-hmm. and we'll be doing a video on that, this is bad. Let's talk about why. One, what did this open at? It opened at 15 to 1. So you're getting 50% of the value that you would have yeah. a month ago. Well, I, I got in at 10 to 1, <laughs> but it's down but to 8 giving, to 1. But you're giving, no one cares. Do you, do you think anyone, <laughs> listen, if anyone cares out there in viewer land what Marco got down at, please tell me in the comments section. All right, they care about what they can get down at. All right, so one, you're not getting any value. Two, let me ask you this: What are the odds that the White Sox make the playoffs? What are the odds that the White Sox make the playoffs? I think it's very good because I have. What is it? Is it a hundred percent? Nothing. Jesus God, what is the odds? Nothing's a hundred. What are the odds? They've got. I feel an eighty percent chance to make. So twenty percent, they don't make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. All right, in the first series. Now let's do the math here. If you have Yankees are going to make the playoffs most likely. Red Sox are going to make the playoffs most likely. So they're going to have to beat both most likely. All right, assuming that they play the Yankees first, what would you guess that would the White Sox be favored in that? No. All right. Now, would the White Sox be favored against the Red Sox? Um, no, not based on the uh, future. And based on your opinion? No. Would the Red Sox be favored against the Phillies? In the World Series, no. So they're going to be underdogs in three straight series. Mm-hmm. And let's do the math. If you, get, if, you're, if you bet 100 in the first game, mm-hmm. and then you bet 200 in the next game, and you let it ride, and then you bet 400 in the next game, you could actually create a parlay that is going to, if you just let it ride, assuming they're going to win out, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> assuming that they went mm-hmm. out is you can get paid better if just back in this team starting in the playoffs and this isn't your fault mm-hmm. i'm gonna it's, it's the math of this and you're a handicapper extraordinaire mm-hmm. and future bets and all that that's not your expertise okay. is the hold on these future bets is like 30 percent the books are just screwed they got the squares walking up saying 10 bucks on the Phillies, yeah. and they're just taking that whole hold, is if you can make more money betting them in the playoffs when there's even, by your admission, a 20% chance they don't make the playoffs, how do you lay 8-1 to one now? How do you take plus? Well, you're going to because we're going to bet it. But how do you advise that? This might be the first video that you say, you know something, I love the White Sox, but I don't love plus 800. Look at the camera. <laughs> You gave a compelling case. Oh, for my God. <laughs> it looks like he's joking. A, it, it is. You know, because it's not often that I've, got to, that I've got to admit that he's got something there. Well, we can promote this video by Marco oh, finally God. changes his mind. But officially say you're retracting the pick, and I won't force you to bat with me. <laughs> okay. Let me say, I'm going to wait and bet the White Sox at the start of the playoffs. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and hold my money for you know whatever it's going to be like. I do months. think all this has been fun, but I do think this is an interesting lesson. 
because one, being a handicapper and being better are two different things. You're a, a, truly a, one of the lead handicappers out there. Being negotiating the futures market, it's a whole different world. But number two, these futures are a sucker bet, especially if you're not if you're playing to the opening number, maybe. But once the wise guys, I mean, we were looking at it. What are the what are the Milwaukee, what is Milwaukee getting? At the is this the M or no? GVR? This is GVR. Milwaukee's five to one to win the World Series. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! I'd like to. I'd pay rent to take those bets down at the GVR. <laughs> it's just tough, man. I think the the only way to bet futures is early, and 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 then at fifteen to one, I'm I'm backing you. At eight to one. All right, you you made you made a good point, sir. Oh my God! This is I'm not gonna, We don't have to bet. This will be the most highest. <laughs> pushed video that RJ has Twittered out <laughs> forum post. It's just we're gonna redesign the homepage. We're probably gonna have an, an email blast just on this video. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, we've been having fun and I love to me honestly and I'm gonna talk out to the main camera. When we get feedback, we hear two things. One is God damn RJ's funny when he busts on Marco. <laughs> but then two what we hear is we love how real it is. Is that sometimes Marco will say something wrong, I'll correct him. Sometimes I'll say something wrong, he'll correct me. And when we disagree, we really disagree. And you know, I you were in your 30s at this point, but I grew up watching Mike Warren and all those guys in the 80s on Beat the Pros. And <laughs> our producers died. And all they used to do is do their imitation was, you know, uh, you know, what do you think of this game? Well, you know, there's Something that backs Team A, something that backs Team B, but I know what really matters. Call 800 555, blah, 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 blah. And they never gave you anything. It was puff chess and hype. And to me, what we do wonderfully, I think, is talk honestly. And to me, this video is more valuable than the ones we agree on because someone out there might be saying, screw it, I like 8 to 1. But if I just nodded or you just nod, we wouldn't be here. So I love it. We had to do, a, you know, how they used to do on the, the E uh, specials, the E network and that. Where are they now? We yeah. should go back and get all those cappers that were there in the 80s, you know, whenever I broke into it. And where and are the, they now? The 80s. I started in 1979. 79. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when the Pirates won the World Series, that inspired you. That, that was it. We are family. The... I'm not talking about anyone in particular, so legal disclaimer. But I know a number of people in town that worked with those guys. They said every one of them was coked. Or not everyone, because I don't want to say that. A lot of them <laughs> were coked out of their mind. Like literally Tony Montana on the desk kind of stuff. Because they were making money hand over fist. So, now God you know. bless them. <laughs> <laughs>